The following is a message from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at westcal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. You may be seated. It is my joy to introduce to you today good friends, Ed and Emily Hartman. Uh, Dr. Ed Hartman uh, and I got acquainted when he was pursuing the Doctor of Ministry degree here on our campus. Uh, His Doctor of Ministry project became a book published by Christian Focus. Ed tells me it's got a new and hipper, more masculine, cover now, Homeward Bound, Preparing Your Family for Eternity. I think of all the D-Men theses, this is the one that is Uh, As you would see if you read it, our bookstore can certainly order it for you if there aren't any there, not only researched and written uh, in scripture, but lived in a profound way in uh, the Hartman family. Um, Ed also ministered to me in a a pastoral way uh, as one who knew sorrow and suffering when I was preaching at one point, teaching in their congregation in uh, Kosciuszko, Mississippi. Uh, and we got some news uh, that caused sorrow to our family and administered to me. Dear, dear brother. Calm, calm. Now, Ed and Emily, since 2004, have been serving with the PCA's mission to the world in Romania. And the Lord has been doing amazing things uh, as they have seen there. And uh, more hands are needed on deck, and that's part of the reason that brings them to us today. Ed's going to open the word to us now. Uh, but also Ed and Emily will be sharing with us about the work in Romania at a missions lunch, room four, 1245. Everybody bring your lunch. Everybody be there. Ed, open the word to us now, please. It's a real pleasure to be here today. And um, I understand the need for time consciousness. Tell me again what time we need to finish. 1020. Great. Um, as a pastor, I'm used to seeing the, the minute hand straight up or straight down, and that would put me about 10 minutes over time. I'll try not to do that. My wife has promised to wave me off if I head in that direction. Uh, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 42. Uh, we'll look, Lord willing, just at one verse. And uh, as you turn in that direction, let me lead us in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning with um, uh, minds that are so filled, distracted uh, from what truly matters. Um, You know what weighs heavily upon us. You know the fears, the anxieties, um, the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities that mark out who we are. What we so desperately need is what we've just sung. Won't you please cause Uh, the Lord Jesus, the ruler of all, to capture our vision afresh and to consume our vision to such a degree that we're willing then to walk forward in the places of blindness that normally frighten, even terrify us. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. There is an old Puritan prayer in the book, The Valley of Vision, that begins with these words, I bless you, O Lord, 
that you have veiled my eyes to the waters ahead. The writer goes on to say, if you have appointed for me storms of tribulation, I can make no stipulation, only comfort me, be with me, whether in comfort or in trial. Make me a chosen vessel always fit for your use. I bless you, O Lord, that you have veiled my eyes to the waters ahead. Do you believe that? Is that something you'd be willing to pray? Most of us want to see what lies around the next bend in the road. Uh, We want to see before we head off on a certain path, how long will this take? What will it cost? How much will I suffer? Whom will I lose in the process? And when will I know that I'm done? When can I be free to move on to something else? God in his providence, God in his good providence, very often doesn't show us what lies ahead. I suspect that if he did, it would terrify us. And it's that reality that brings us to uh, verse 16 in Isaiah 42, a verse that we not only have read but um, have memorized and have prayed back to the Lord over and over again. My hope is to be very simple. don't want to be profound this morning just to remind you of things that I suspect you already know. But if you're like me, you need to hear it over and over again. Uh, God says this, to his people through the prophet Isaiah. I will lead the blind by a way they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I will make the crooked places straight, the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do for them, and I will not forsake them. Let me quote that for you one more time. Let these words sink in and listen to the I will statements. This is the Ed Hartman paraphrase. You can read it differently in the original, the NIV, the ESV, but it works like this. And I will lead the blind by a way they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. I'll make the crooked places straight, the rough places smooth, These are the things I will perform for them, and I will not forsake them. Six profound I will statements. For the sake of time, I won't unpack each of them, but you can identify them one after another. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. They are covenant promises made by a God who will not fail, and yet there's one condition. There's only one kind of person who can claim these promises as his own or her own. And that condition is identified in the first phrase. He says, I will lead the blind. Charles Spurgeon once preached a a sermon on this verse, and he said, it's not the physically blind who lays special claim to this promise, nor is it the spiritually blind who lay claim to this promise. It is what he called the consciously blind. It is those who recognize, I can't see how this is going to turn out. As a matter of fact, if I'm pressed, I can't see any possible good outcome to this series of events and this scenario that stands before me. And yet I'm conscious of the fact that while I don't see it, I serve one who does, and I trust him. Isn't that the way the Lord always works? 
We sing, be thou my vision, give me vision, place your vision on my heart. Dr. Johnson was telling us about a woman who runs the Rafiki Foundation, what vision marks out her whole life and ministry and all that. And I've always wanted to be a man of real vision. And yet as I've prayed for vision, the Lord has led me to blindness. And he quietly asks, do you trust me? No, you don't know how this is going to turn out. And you're praying that it will turn out this way, but is it possible, Ed, that I have a better plan and a greater design than even you can imagine? Doesn't that sound somewhat familiar? (laughs) Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we can ask or imagine. Uh, Job 36 verse 15 speaks to this um, when in some of the older translations used to translate it this way, uh, he delivers the afflicted out of their affliction. And that's true. We pray, God, deliver me from this that you see. The ESV gets it a little bit closer to the original when it says he delivers the afflicted by their affliction. And he opens their ears through adversity. And I've come to realize that some of the very things that I pray that God will deliver me from, God, take this away from my life. Free me from this. Remove this situation. I discover that that is the very thing that God has placed in my life to deliver me from my far greater affliction. And I'm asking God to remove the thing that he has given me as a gift to craft within me the character of his son. But it demands that I walk forward trusting him in my places of blindness. I'll be honest, I don't want to. Do you? Isn't that the pattern of how God works? We pray for strength and power, and I want to be a man whose ministry is marked by power. And yet the man whose ministry was most marked by power said, I've come to boast in my weakness so that Christ's power might be made perfect in me. I pray for joy because I want to be a man whose ministry is marked by joy and yet God brings me to places of brokenness. And he says, only when you repent of the places that I'm showing you that are wrong, only when you're truly broken will you know the joy that I've redeemed you, am redeeming you to know. I pray for passion and he leads me to embrace my own vulnerability and enter into places of real vulnerability. This is God's design. And it's all marked out by walking by faith, which really is being willing to trust him in those places of blindness. I remember when my first wife was sick, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor, glioblastoma multiforma, which is an astrocytoma grade four. A lot of words, which just means death sentence. No one has ever lived with one of these. And I was studying here when we learned of the decline of her condition and I had to fly back through the middle of the night to get back to her. And when we discovered the diagnosis and our four children who at that age were one, two and a half, four and six at that time. Um, I think that's right. Five and seven. Thank you. Um, They began praying in faith, God, heal mommy. God, we know you are powerful. We know that you are wise. We know that you really love us. So we're trusting you to heal mom. 
And I had ringing in my ears the words of these specialists who've said no one has ever survived one of these bouts with cancer. Um, you need to get your house in order. We'll make her as comfortable as we can, but there's nothing that can be done. And I knew God had worked powerfully to heal people who were in far greater crisis than that. And yet there was this settled sense that the Lord was preparing to take her home. And I wrestled over what do I do with these four children who, as they grow up, will wrestle with bitterness against this God who didn't answer their prayers as they had pleaded. And you talk about praying with childlike faith. I lived in a home where four children, from the time they woke up to the time they went to bed, any time they paused, they prayed for mom. God, heal mommy. We know you can. We know you love us, trusting you to heal her. And in my head was forming this anxiety over what do I say to kids whose mom has died and they grow up bitter against God. And so I began <clears throat> encouraging them to pray, God, heal mommy or do something even greater for your glory and for our good. And honestly, my kids refused to pray that. Initially, they said, no, 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 we're not praying that. We're praying that God will heal her and that he'll put us back right as a family. Little kids. And yet, one by one, they began embracing that way of praying, God, heal mom, or do something even greater for your glory and for our good. And four little kids and I stood at the edge of an open grave as we buried their first mom. And the following day, they began asking the question, okay, Dad, what's this greater thing that God is about to do? And talk about theologians who taught me a life of expectation. I will lead the blind by a way they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I'll turn the darkness into light before them. I'll make the crooked places straight, the rough places smooth. These are the things I will perform for them, and I will not forsake them. Do you know what is the guarantee? It's really in that last phrase, isn't it? Because for God to say to you and me, I will not forsake you ever, he had to first lead his own precious son to a place where his son said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me and it's because the father forsook his son we can be absolutely certain that this God will never ever forsake us I don't see the end from the beginning but I serve one who does and has already declared it to be perfect good to the end that the psalmist in 100, Psalm 119, verse 68 says, O Lord, you are good and all that you do is good. Even in the places where we look and we're absolutely blind and we say, there's no possible good that can come out of this. And God says, really? Do you see the end from the beginning? I'll end with this. I preached on this passage last Sunday. I don't, the Lord has me camping in Isaiah right now. I'm not sure why, but it has been feeding my soul. Uh, Isaiah 64, the first three verses, 
the prophet says, oh Lord, oh that you would come down and cause the mountains to tremble before you. For when you came down, you did awesome things that we did not expect. Isn't that where you want to live? My expectations are pretty great. I, I love thinking about what God can do. And yet God says, but I can do exceedingly be abundantly beyond all that you can ask or imagine or expect. And I will. So that the prophet can say what we say this morning. Since ancient times, no eye has seen, no ear has perceived any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. It's the bookends, willingness to be blind, willingness to wait for him. Is that you? Most of us would sadly say, well, that's not me. Which means that for you, today's a restart. You have the high privilege of doing what I have to do every day and say, God, I've become a practical atheist again. I've lived as if your presence really won't make much of a difference. I've lived by my own understanding. Forgive me. Let's start over. Won't you please be my vision today? Won't you please enable me not only to accept but to celebrate my blindness because in it you're going to do things that I cannot even yet expect or imagine and they are and will be awesome. Do you believe that? That's the invitation for you today. Let's pray. Father, make this so for each of us. Make us to walk by faith. Forgive us for our fear, for our unwillingness to live in places of vulnerability and brokenness and blindness and weakness. The things that we run from, may we embrace them, even boast in them, because there we are convinced and want to believe that you will do awesome things that we do not expect. We trust you to make this so for the sake of your kingdom and because of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Copyright 2011, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.